Welcome, everyone, to the 66th episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast. I'm Brandon T. McClure, joined by only Sparkplug Wikiwitty. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm all right. It's just the two of us today. Yep. As you can tell, or can't tell because you can't see us, uh, Ben is off at a hockey sport game. Hockey sport. Uh, it's like the sport thing. I don't know. And uh, Ryan is dealing with a personal uh, tragedy of his own, and our hearts go out to him. Yes, we. He is in our thoughts heavily. Yeah, uh, but that won't stop us from doing a show because we love our audience too much. Uh, All three of them. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know that that's it. I. I think we just. We we talked about it. We didn't want to lag behind too hard on the news. We have moved. Uh, our book club and our discussions that we were planning for today because we don't have Ryan and Ben and we didn't want to do it without them. So this is just kind of a, uh, honestly, this is probably our first, what I would call outside of the news filler episode. <laughs> oh no, we're Dragon Ball Zing it. That, that's what this should be titled. It should be titled the filler episode. The filler episode. I might do that. Filler uh, episode number one. Well, in that case, let's get into some news. Yeah, man. Break out that, um, Man, I don't want to have bread and butter without the guys, so uh, let's have crackers and cheese. Crackers and cheese. Oh, I love yeah, crack- some, crackers I love and cheese. Some, I love me some crackers break, and cheese. Break open that wine and let's just let's just drink in their honor. <laughs> we're gonna be drunk by the end of this. Uh, well, we're gonna start today with the MCU because uh, some some things that uh, some some things. Do you remember thumb things? Thumb, thumb things? things. Do you remember that? That Tr- sounds vaguely familiar. Trust me, Eric McCormick and Tom Cavanaugh. Uh. They're at the advertising show. Oh, it was called Thumb Thing. No, it was no, it was like the first ad they ever came up with was an ad for a cell phone called Thumb Thing. Oh, oh, okay, okay. God, I missed that show. Me too. It was a great show. Anyway, already, already diverging. Hard, hard <laughs> tangent there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Kevin Feige said some interesting things about the MCU today. Uh, not today, Jesus. Okay, I had a this long week. I had a long drive today. Yeah, this did. morning I was in another city. Yes, you were. Uh, initially, so first he talked about the timeline. Uh, yes, this caused a bit of discussion, even from for us from the Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, yes, thing. this mostly is spurred out of the confusion about what the Spider-Man Homecoming opening meant with its eight years later statement. Yes, many people thinking. Uh, that maybe Spider-Man Homecoming took place in the future. Myself thinking that Spider-Man, that uh, Avengers took place in 2008. Um, right. But you have the quote up, yes? I do. Uh, Kevin Feige said in response to all this, quote, all of that debate has encouraged us. We are going to be publishing an official, and I'm not sure when or in what format, an official timeline. It'll probably be a part of, uh, I don't know, a part of an imprint that you can fold out and look at. But suffice to say, only in limited cases do we ever actually say what the actual years are because we never want to be tied down to a particular year. And I think people assume that whenever the movie is released is when the movie is taking place, and that's not the case. That was a conclusion that we came to uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. We said it was, it was we were unable to predict the years that these films take place in at right. this point. Uh, well, I mean, we, we also are now completely uncertain of where exactly Doctor Strange happens. Yeah, yeah we are. Um, Uh, hopefully that'll become a little more clear with Thor Ragnarok since we know they've said Thor Ragnarok the majority of the film is happening at the same time as Civil War so Doctor Strange must be some amount earlier than that yeah I don't know man it is it is 
quite insane. But hey, you know what? I'm still looking forward to all of these films. Um, Absolutely. Where do you think this timeline is going to appear? Uh, if you recall, I think they released a timeline in the Avengers art book initially. Yeah, I think that it's possible it could show up in two places, three places. Uh, one would be the uh, whatever Infinity, third, fourth Avengers film tie-in comic comes out, it'll show up there. Mm-hmm. Um, one would be if they make a, and I'm sure they will, a Phase 3 Blu-ray box set. Uh, I imagine it'll show up there. That'd be cool. And and then uh, the fourth Avengers film, or if they make a Phase 3 book uh, art behind those films book, it'll show up there too as well. The first timeline they released before Avengers was in the Avengers art book, so it would make sense. Right, and I, I truly do feel that it'll show up uh, most likely in the Phase 3 Blu-ray box set. I would be shocked if it didn't. Do you think it's entirely likely that uh, they could be putting them in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe guidebook that Marvel is publishing right now? That could happen. Um, I don't know. Because I've been getting those. I really don't. Those are nice. I really like the covers on those. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't know which way that would go. At any rate, you uh, and I are huge nerds, and we like shit like that. <laughs> what I wonder is, are they going to finally bite the bullet and acknowledge when like events in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. take place in relation to that timeline? Or yeah. uh, even extend it, be bolder and even extend it to the Netflix shows as well and say that's when this happens, that when that's when this happens, and have it truly be complete. I'd be quite curious to see them do that. I'd really like that. Yeah, I would too. But moving on. So, Sparks, are you curious as to what Phase 4 is going to look like? I mean, yes, but I'm also not, like, itching for it. I'm I'm focused on what's happening right now. Neither is Kevin Uh, Feige. Correct. Yeah, he said said this week that uh, Phase 4... They haven't talked about Phase 4 because Phase 3 is uh, is the end of the narrative that they started with Phase 1. Yes, exactly what he was saying is uh, that... Phase one through three is the end of a 10 year, uh, the end of phase three is the end of a 10 year narrative. And that's how he sees it. It's the end of a narrative. And phase four is going to be the beginning of hopefully another 10 year narrative. And that's how he's looking at it right now. And so he's very focused on the end of this narrative before they start talking about the beginning of the next one. Right. Um, I imagine we won't hear anything about phase four plans specifically until after Captain Marvel comes out. I think that's likely. That's the beginning of 2019. Be on the lookout for an El Capitan uh, fun little event they'll put on, like they did when they announced Phase 3. Right. That'd be fun to go to, actually. That would be fun. Well, also, uh, during the Thor Ragnarok premiere, uh, the woman who plays Valkyrie, Tessa Thompson, in Thor Ragnarok, uh, she asked Kevin Feige, when are we going to get our movie? And I spoke to him about an all-female Marvel film. And as it's uh, described by Kevin Feige, uh, here, I have it right here. Um, You're my quote guy today. uh, uh, Thompson had been asked if there were any plans for a solo Valkyrie movie, and Feige had responded, pretty good idea. Um, Feige says, it was a pretty amazing moment to be somewhere and have your shoulder be tapped and turn around and find every female hero we have is standing there going, how about it? And I said, yes. This is the quote from Kevin Feige, which makes it sound like Somewhere down the line, after Phase 3, we're getting a all-female team-up film involving the majority, if not all, of our current female superheroes in the Marvel Universe. Who's your wish list? I have mine. Uh, Captain Marvel and Valkyrie and uh, Scarlet Witch top it. And um, Black Widow makes it, but only because I feel like Scarlett Johansson deserves that. 
-hmm. not necessarily because I think Black Widow matches well with the team. I'd much think that the character more belongs in her own film and story that's apart from that team. Mm -hmm. But it'd still be cool to see them together. And then um, who else do we have? My wish list has Sif. Oh, Sif. Yeah, Sif would be cool. Yeah, I'd really like to see Jamie Alexander come back as Sif. So far as we know, Thor Ragnarok does not have her. Oh, and Nebula and Gamora. Oh, that'd be cool. Gamora especially would be fun. Gamora especially, yeah. Um, yes, absolutely, Gamora. Actually, if Gamora's too tied to the Guardians thing for this female team up film, which I can Make understand, it cosmic. I would, I would have them bring in Nebula. I don't know how it couldn't be cosmic if you're involving Valkyrie and Captain Marvel already. Yeah. Um... So I'd like to see I'd like to see those characters come together and do something. Yeah. And it's not necessarily about them. For me, it's not about the fact that they're, uh, you know, a bunch of female superheroes teaming up. It's about the fact that they're getting their the attention they deserve in general. They're I just all, want to see these characters all, get that kind of attention. They're all excellent actors. Yes. Like all, all of them, like Elizabeth Olsen, Alison Brie. We haven't even seen Captain Marvel, but I know Alison Brie is an incredible actor. I wouldn't be surprised if it were kind of a pseudo Captain Marvel sequel that we see that kind of happen. Her putting this team together um, called the Revengers. If is there any character, is there any character who hasn't been introduced of the female superheroes that you'd like to see on that team? Because I've got one or two I could think of. I don't. Uh, I like to, honestly. I would like it. Like to see them introduce She Hulk. That's that's she's top of my list too. I, yeah. I was thinking she, I would love She Hulk to be a part of this team. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think so as well. Other than that, I can't. I don't really know. Oh, you know, there's Blue Marvel. No, not a Blue Marvel. Um, Miss Marvel. No, oh, I'd like to see her, but I, uh, but I like her more as a Spider-Man-esque grounded street-level character. Um, sure. What was the what was the one the one with Ultimates with not Blue Marvel, not Captain Marvel? She was Captain Marvel. I think her name is. Not, not America. Oh, Pulsar, I think is her name. Not sure. I don't remember, but I really dug her. She basically is like living light energy. Um, mm-hmm. I read Ultimates and I don't, there were so many characters in Ultimates, I couldn't keep track of them all. Right. But yeah, I'd like to see her. She's an African-American woman who once held the name Captain Marvel. I'd like to see her introduced. If, uh, if they did decide, which it's unclear, obviously to us at this time, but if, uh, Thor is changed and we don't have Chris Hemsworth anymore and we get a lady Thor then I'd like to see her on this team. Not, but I don't know I don't know if we're headed that way though. Would you like Natalie Portman to come back though? I don't know if they could get her to come back. Probably not. So you recast Jane or would you just make uh, her make it, uh, Thor a different woman? I mean, I might I might take some of the base ideas because Jane in the movies and Jane in the comics are Vastly different characters at this point. Yes. And I think if you took the same semblance of ideas about Jane as she is in the comics, I think especially if you run with that fighting cancer storyline that's going on, uh, you could make it a different kind of female character. You look like Wilson from Home Improvement. Nobody nobody listening to this gets that. I know. Half of your face is just gone. Anyway, uh, let, that uh, any, anything else in Marvel that you want to discuss before we go on to its uh, ugly sister? I think we covered it pretty well. That that was a lot of the news dump that's been going on. 
Yeah, the, the, all this came from the uh, press, on the not the press tour, the red carpet of Thor Ragnarok. Red carpet premiere for Thor Ragnarok, uh, which got a lot of positive buzz. Um, yeah. James Gunn had a really awesome review for it. I am I am probably more excited now than I ever was before for Thor Ragnarok, just because of the words James Gunn put to pen and paper about it. Like an old Flash Gordon? Yeah, that yeah. really got me going. I was like, you are talking the language I like, so cool. I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm not saying anything. And he's saying uh, one of the, he thinks it's the funniest Marvel film, and that's the guy who made Guardians, and one of the most colorful films. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I strive for color in my film, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that one a lot. I've, I've stopped watching everything about it uh, in anticipation. Right. Uh, well, you know, it's, I'll, I'll, call, I'll, call, I'll call this one the ugly stepcousin. Warner Brothers. <laughs> DC, uh-huh. the DCEU, as we affectionately call it, because apparently they don't. The DCU. The DCU. Uh, Warner Brothers uh, recently said, and forgive me, I don't have the guy's name, but he recently said that Zack Snyder's vision differs from their own. So this comes from um, Reisman, uh, who is the DC Entertainment president. Oh, yeah. And he said uh, that was actually a quote, that didn't show up in the finished piece, but that Diane Nelson gave me, it was the effect of we are a director driven place. And Zack Snyder had a vision that didn't necessarily sync up with what our vision of these characters is, but we respect that he wanted to go for that. And that's part of our philosophy. You know, we've been hearing that Warner Brothers is a more director friendly, uh, has a more direct, uh, director friendly, uh, position with, uh, we've heard that from Chris McKay. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Reisman is the name of the journalist quoting that quote. Oh, okay. Uh, from the president, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we've been Go hearing the, we've been hearing this a lot. This director-friendly uh, vision that uh, Warner Brothers has for the DC films, and uh, you and I discussed this at lunch actually. That it really looks like they're backpedaling on this shared universe. I I truly believe that a lot of the the word we're getting about um, you know oh we're backing off the connectivity oh we're uh, you know, Zack Snyder was never quite the way we saw this anyways and that kind of thing. I think they're very much trying to set the field for if Justice League is poorly received, which it probably will be, um, for them to say, well, look, we were saying we've done the wrong thing. Now we're going to put it back on track. They're trying to they're already trying to put the spin on the failure that right. they're anticipating. Right. And then if it doesn't, then they can still be like, oh, but look, that worked. And it's all it's all covering their asses oh absolutely um with all this uh with them downplaying the connectivity of everything and uh, with all these different films that have been announced that aren't officially on their slate but we know that they're working on them uh films that you know nightwing batgirl uh the director changes with with uh, zach snyder and joss whedon uh this is crazy yeah this is crazy this is this is this is them throwing a lot of balls in the air and hoping that we don't see them. Yeah, it's it's it feels like to be honest, I just feel so drowned in Do you know what's great about Marvel Studios is you just hear about them every once in a while and then there'll be like something like the Red Carpet premiere or whatever and there's this giant press dump. Uh, at that moment, and you get all this new information, but it's not like a crap ton. But Warner Brothers, I feel like every freaking week we have to talk about some BS 
that's coming from them. And it's just, it's, I'm drowning in it. I'm not tired of the superhero genre. Boy, am I tired of the superhero news coming from Warner Brothers, though. Yeah, because we even talked about it, you know, earlier this episode with Phase 4. We're not going to find out what Phase 4 is until probably 2019. Right. But we already know 18 movies that DC is putting out. (laughs) But do we? Because it feels like it changes all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just, it's so wishy-washy. I'm... I feel so much like they just do this stuff to stay relevant, to stay in the news, to cover their butts and say, like, trust us, you're going to want to see the next movie because this movie might not be so good. But, hey, we made Wonder Woman. Yeah, exactly. Well, anyway, so you saw the premiere for Legends of Tomorrow? I did see the premiere for Legends of Tomorrow. I have not had a chance to see it yet, uh, so don't spoil it. But is there any sense that Victor Garber could be leaving this season it's it's not provided in this premiere episode no well apparently season three we'll see the 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 end of uh victor garber's character martin stein in some way shape or form uh at least his departure not necessarily the end of him but his departure from the show because victor garber is going to broadway to do a broadway revival um he's a great broadway singer i imagine we can clock this to happen possibly because of the crossover at least plot wise mm-hmm. or at least right after because we know Jax is going to be firestorm in that crossover yeah so martin must still be there do you think they're I going to uh, i re- doubt that they'll have changed it over until then they'll have to replace him in order to keep Jax relevant on the show well that's not entirely true um because Jax could be still the engineer just not be able to be firestorm right but then you know, what purpose does he serve in the battle? Or, you know, it's kind of the question, like, and the team dynamic, the team dynamic is so <coughs> strange. And even Excuse I liked, me. I liked season two, but even I can admit, that, you know, they're, you know, uh, Ray and Nate serve the same purpose. Uh, Sarah doesn't necessarily work as the captain or even as a character on Legends a lot of the time. And, the team dynamic is really its its biggest failing, and that's the one they keep trying to fix. Which, to be honest, uh, for me, is that um, Jax would actually benefit from not being able to be powered up for a while. Yeah. If the plan, if the plan, this is all, you know, potentially, it wouldn't surprise me if Victor Garber will return after the Broadway revival is done, and that they know that, and they're planning for it. They say they've been planning for this for a while. Um, and that leaves room for them to do some other things, some different things with Jax. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happened because uh, they, Jax is still able to be, he is the engineer of the ship. He is the guy who can do it. There's no one else on the ship that can do it now that Rip is not part of the ship um, and part of the crew. Well, last season so, they introduced his daughter. So that, so that does, and uh, even introduced the idea that he, maybe he would like to leave the legends and be with his daughter. Uh, yes. And that is kind of, uh, that is broached in the premiere, but it is not hard sold in the premiere. Um, but I do think that Jax could still potentially find a lot of use and actually become, in a way, I think, a more interesting character by not being able to be involved in the battle things, but having to do something different. Kind of like how McRory really came into his own <clears throat> after Snart di- after Snart died. Correct. It could it could go that way. Right. Even though we all miss Snart. <laughs> yes. Um, but I love what they made of Rory after. Me too. 
apparently, Matt Ryan is now officially confirmed for season three. We can say that it is official. Yes, he is. He is confirmed for two, I believe, episodes. Cool. I'll Not take, just one. I'll take anything. Um, yeah, last week we weren't quite sure. We saw we saw maybe some competing sources, but now everyone is saying unanimously this is happening. Yes, so good stuff. Um, and to wrap up the DC stuff, Teen Titans Go is getting a theatrical film. What do you think, Sparks? Uh, I I watched Teen Titans Go. I think I think somehow I have managed to see every episode of Teen Titans Go. That doesn't mean I'm a fan. It means that I leave Cartoon Network on in the background a lot. Um, and Teen Titans Go tends to air on it all the time. There, I do think that the Teen Titans Go naysayers are a little too strong against the show. I think the show does have its merit of wit and jokes and, and well done episodes and things. But at the same time, I also have seen that Teen Titans Go has episodes where I feel they are phoning it in and uh, just crapping out uh, material to keep the show uh, full of episodes because for some reason that is unclear to me, Cartoon Network wants to pump the crap out of that show. Yeah. Is um, it on like new episodes every day? Uh, no. That happens to all of their shows once in a while, uh, but there's a new episode of Teen Titans Go more often than any other show, yeah. and it's just, it dominates the schedule. Everybody knows it dominates the schedule, and nobody quite knows why, because the ratings for it are not any higher, if not lower, than other Cartoon Network shows, so it's very unclear why, sure. but um, the, show's got, the show's got its good writers, it's got good it's got the original Teen Titans show voice team and they're great. Um, you know, there are good aspects to the show, but the overall, like, you know, there, I think there are still more good episodes than bad, but there, there are still a lot of bad episodes, a lot of bad episodes. So it getting a movie does irk me and it irks me for the, the biggest reason I think it irks me is because I can't believe that we live in a reality where the Teen Titans parody show is getting a theatrical film, but the original Teen Titans couldn't get a conclusion. That does suck, actually, now that you brought that to I, my I attention. Don't, I, don't, I don't get how that's what happened. And I'm like, how are we getting Teen Titans Go to be the first theatrical DC animated film if you're not counting Lego Batman? It's really How too- is that... How is that what's happening? It's really too bad that DC Entertainment, the uh, VOD department who does the animated films, uh, the just uh, direct to uh, video animated films, didn't ever consider, or maybe they did and weren't allowed to, but didn't get to do a, a conclusion movie to that old Teen Titans show. And maybe now they've the, they've the run only its thing course. They got was the the only thing they got was the Trouble in Tokyo film. I remember that one. Yeah, I would like but to see that. But that was not a proper conclusion. No. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. Uh, so the, the movie will be, they'll be joined by Kristen Bell and Will Arnett. Yep. Uh, strange. Um, and you, you, we don't see this a whole lot. The the uh, I wonder who Will Arnett will be playing, to be honest with you, because mm. I know he's not Batman. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was it, like a Batman. It's, it's impossible for him to be Batman in the Teen Titans Go series Is unless it? they're going to change Teen Titans Go because Teen Titans Go has shown Batman and he does not talk. Oh. Maybe this will he be has this, his talking. He has this. He has this gag. It would really violate the character. The gag with Batman in the show is he constantly shows up with Gordon, and they and they giggle like girls <laughs> at things cute. in like a manly voice, but they giggle like girls. It's 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 strange. Um, I'm just I'm not so on board. I don't understand why this is the this is the thing that gets a DC theatrical animated release. So this is. Um... 
very rarely do we see animated shows be popular enough to get a uh, feature-length film uh, in theaters anymore. It's it's becoming, I mean, anymore. It doesn't happen in that often in general. Um, it used to happen quite a bit in the eighties and uh, early nineties. Did it? Did yeah. they really go to the theaters a lot? Yeah, a lot of the eighties Hasbro stuff went to theaters. Okay, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, Simpsons, I believe, was the last thing to do it. Um, Adventure Time got a film confirmed, but we have not heard a lot about it in a few years now, so I don't know where that stands. Bob's Burgers was uh, announced this year. Uh, Bob's Burgers was announced for one. Yeah. Um, something else, too. But uh, So it's seeming a little more common because there are a lot of strong cartoons out there getting that kind of attention. But uh, it's it's weird that this is the thing. Like, I would rather see you know, Bruce Timm's old Justice League series brought back for a theatrical film release than Teen Titans Go. I'd rather see the original Teen Titans brought back for a theatrical release than Teen Titans Go. I'd rather see Justice League Action or Young Justice get a theatrical release over Teen Titans Go. I don't understand why this choice is happening, why they think this will make money. Oh, that's the thing. My Little Pony. My Little Pony's getting a theatrical release this year. Yeah. Good point. I forgot about that. That that was that was the other one. But I I at least understand why My Little Pony is getting the theatrical release. I don't quite follow the logic on Teen Titans Go. Sure. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, again, it's that fan base thing. I'm like, is the fan base for this really that big? I don't think so. I don't think it is either. I mean, but we'll, we'll see what the what the numbers are going to be when it opens. If it because opens. because I understood them being big for because the thing is like. Teen Titans Go, I don't see appealing to adults. Mm-hmm. I get it appealing to kids. I don't see it appealing to adults very well. Adventure Time made sense to me because that appeals to everybody. So I don't know. I don't I don't get this, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, we're not really its target audience. No, we're not. So Sparks. Yo. Do you have the Disney Movies Anywhere app? You know I do, baby. Well... It's changing. I got the message, yes. Yeah, when I first got this email, I was very confused. Because I was like, what does this mean? Right, so let me explain what this is. If you uh, ever got um, Disney movies, if you ever bought them on Blu-ray or anything, you learned about this app called... Or, or even if you just bought them as digital copies, you learn about this app called Disney Movies Anywhere. Disney Movies Anywhere allows you to dump in your digital codes and be able to open up your films on the app, on a tablet or whatever, as well as being able to <clears throat> immediately have access to those digital copies on iTunes or Google, Google Play, or uh, Amazon or YouTube. I used, YouTube quite, I used to have quite the extensive... Uh, iTunes digital copy collection. So, so as long as you linked all your accounts to this, you essentially your Blu-ray digital copy purchase would be registered across all those platforms. It'd be like, oh, you did make this purchase, and it'll register on Amazon, so you can watch it through Amazon Video, or it'll register through iTunes, you can watch it through iTunes, YouTube, blah blah blah. But that only worked for Disney films. Now that was awesome because I got to watch like what Marvel films I got digital copies of and things like that. I could just watch them right off that app. Now. Uh, 20th Century Fox, Sony Pictures, Universal Studios, and Warner Brothers have all made this same deal to come together to the Disney Movies Anywhere app and change it to Movies Anywhere. 
And under Movies Anywhere, you can connect whatever account you've had for your digital copies, like Ultraviolet, I think, is most of what people have had, which uh, a lot of people have translated into... Uh, they, they get their digital copy codes through Ultraviolet, put into an account on something called Voodoo, and Voodoo allows them to play it off of apps. Voodoo your account through Voodoo can now be connected to this Movies Anywhere app. And I did this. So now any digital copy I've ever had, that now I can open up in Amazon Video. I can open it up in iTunes. I can open it up in YouTube. It counts as a purchase across all these platforms now. I can open them up anywhere. And it's, that's, it's great. That's crazy. And I'll be <laughs> honest, I cannot comprehend that. It's really nice. It's actually really nice how well streamlined it is because it means if you if you get a digital copy of these movies, you can open them up on anything at any time because you have purchased them and you are registered having purchased them across your accounts now, Warner, all at once. Now, Warner Brothers does mostly ultraviolet digital copies. Uh, almost everything does now uh, that isn't Disney. Right, uh, because the last... Uh, I know 20th Century Fox doesn't always... No, um, Universal does both. There's Ultraviolet and iTunes digital copies. Now, what you're telling me with, with Movies Anywhere is that it doesn't matter what, if it's Ultraviolet or iTunes digital copy, it's it's everywhere? As long as you connect those accounts. So once you get into the Movies Anywhere thing, it'll say connect this account. So it'll say connect your... I did it through my Disney Movies Anywhere app, so it didn't list that. It said connect your Amazon account, connect your iTunes account, connect your Vudu account. I connected all those, and every digital copy code I've ever entered, bam, my entire library filled up with every digital copy all in one place. And if I closed that Movies Anywhere app, I could open up my Amazon Video app. They were all there, too. I could open up my YouTube account. They were all there in my purchases. Seamlessly, all at once, and it works that way from now on. That's crazy. See, I don't even know how Amazon Video works. It's really great. I actually really like this. So in Amazon Video, you just go to your library, and bam, there's your digital copies. Now, any Amazon Prime membership, you have Amazon yes. Video, correct? Uh, Amazon Video is an app that you should be able to download no matter what uh -huh. and connect with your Amazon account regardless of if you have Prime or not. It's just if you have Prime, you can watch Prime things without having to pay. Like The Tick or Man on the High Castle, things like that. Correct. Correct. Got it. Okay. Wow, this is this is crazy. This is huge. This is this is like Man, this this actually helps uh physical copies. This is yes, it does because it means that uh when you buy your digital copy if it has a physical copy, if it has a digital copy, you will also get that copy everywhere. Yeah. So it it really does streamline the service. I think it will be a boost to physical copies. I'm more encouraged to always want a digital copy now because I can pull up that digital copy everywhere. Everything I buy now that has a digital copy will be in this one library that I can access from any account. And this and is a really great thing. It's like it's like it kind of it's kind of like Movie Pass, you know how Movie Pass was like here, pay ten bucks a month, you get to go to the movie theaters more often. Movie theaters get get the same amount of money, uh, so you get to, so movie theaters get, that helps movie theaters, and I'm always in favor of helping movie theaters. Uh, this you get a physical copy, it's got a digital copy, you got it anywhere, but. If you have a physical, but if you you won't get that unless you buy a physical copy. I mean, you could buy it online, but hey, now you can get a physical copy and have it everywhere, right? And so that does help as well. Yeah. So this is this is both are good. This is good. This is a good thing. This, I'm really excited. This, for this is a great thing. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to me to be able to have all my digital copies available in one place. I must set this up. I have yeah. multiple and available. 
as one collection in multiple places, I should say. So now you can, so can you now just enter a, you can now just enter a digital code into, into movies anywhere and then it's everywhere. Bam. Correct. Wow. That's so much easier than what I was going to do, which is just go to iTunes and be like, okay, okay, now, because the, I'm going to be honest, initially the Disney movies anywhere, uh, digital copy program was not that great. Right. But, but now everything's awesome. So in uh, comic book news, uh, and it's unfortunate Ryan's not here because this is his favorite comic book character. Swamp Thing mm-hmm. has announced that they are getting a winter special coming out in January. A month I forgot was winter. So, you know, there's that. What did, what did you think it was? I don't know. Because logically, wouldn't you have to think it was spring? You thought January was spring? You know, you know what? L.A. doesn't have seasons, so this whole thing... I, th- I feel like me. it's more one of those things that you just never really thought about. Probably. Uh, but Swamp Thing is going to be getting a winter special that has two confirmed stories. Um, and I think only the two. And who knows? They may, re- they may announce more. But for sure, Tom King and Jason Fabok are getting a story uh, that will compose the first half of the book. Uh, this is a story that reads... Tom King and Jason Fabok paid tribute to the legendary creators of Swamp Thing, writer Len Wein and artist Bernie, uh, Bernie Wrightson. So they joined forces for an earth-shattering Swamp Thing passion project. In this new square-bound one-shot, Swamp Thing is out of his element as he shepherds a lost boy through a blinding blizzard and other hazards of a strange frozen tundra. In this touching and harrowing tale of survival, the pair must navigate countless threats uh, throughout a bewildering terrain with a bloodthirsty snow monster hot on their heels. But how long can they rely on each other? Separated from the green and stripped of his powers in this dead world, <coughs> Swamp Thing struggles to fight for their lives and deliver the boy to safety. Disoriented and decaying, Swamp Thing fading understanding, uh, Swamp Thing's fading understanding of his surroundings forces the duo to convert their, depres- their, des- their desperation and uncover the true identity of the snow monster that hunts them. And gorgeous artwork uh, p- promotion uh, by Jason Fabok. So I'm like holding a little boy. Uh, this is awesome. I'm very cool. It's described as a psychological horror story. Sounds like fun to me. Yeah. And uh, the second story in the book is going to touch a lot of people's hearts, I feel. Uh, it's Len Wein's final Swamp Thing story. Hmm. He wrote it uh, before he died. And Kelly Jones, who is the artist on the last Swamp Thing miniseries that Len Wein did, uh, they uh, were going to pair up to do a new series. Uh, not clear if it's an ongoing or a mini. It doesn't matter anymore. But they were gearing up for a new series, and they were one uh, one of the uh, one of the issues, and uh, that will be collected in in this story as well. And uh, we'll apparently pick up where their last miniseries left off with Swamp Thing harnessing the power of the green in the Louisiana swamps, only for Solomon Grundy to shake things up as he arrives in town with a kid he kidnapped from Gotham. And then uh, Kelly Jones uh, was quoted saying, Ween's major plan was pretty much a straight horror title. He kept stressing that angle to me, like bringing up a lot of those DC horror characters was what would make this book more unique. His main thing was to stress that Alec was turned into Swamp Thing. He really wanted to stress that again. He felt that there was a lot of story potential in that. Now, I'm going to be honest, I was not crazy about the last Swamp Thing miniseries. Um, This does excite me, only because it is his last story. Uh, But much like with Chris Claremont, uh, Len, uh, not Chris Claremont, 
Well, yeah, no, Len Wein has created some great characters, but they were defined by other char- by other writers. Alan Moore, for example, defined Swamp Thing, made uh-huh. it so that Alec Holland was not <clears throat> the one who was turned into Swamp Thing. But Len Wein, going back to that classic Swamp Thing, that very, very, very classic Swamp Thing from before, Alan Moore right. is interesting. So what do you think about this? I, I It sounds like something worth reading to me. Um, it sounds to me like uh, Christmas comes a little late for Ryan this year. Yeah, right. Uh, it sounds to me that they they want they were gonna supposed to get this out. This was a last minute thing almost. Mm-hmm. Like it was, we should do something, uh, but we don't have the time to put it out for Christmas. Sure. So, and they already have the Christmas special coming out, which I hear has a story about Max Landis. Mm. I want that. Um, moving on then, Pacific Rim might be getting a shared cinematic universe. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the quote from Stephen S. tonight is, uh, plans for a potential cinematic universe when he was speaking to Nerdist. Uh, I'm certainly hoping so. I think you'll definitely probably get more comics. The plan was always to use this movie as a launching pad. If enough people show up to this, we've already talked about the plot of the third movie and how the end of the third movie would expand the universe to a Star Wars slash Star Trek style franchise or series where you can go in many, many different directions. I'm going to be honest, Uh, I don't want this. He went on to suggest that he would also love to see an animated TV series emerge and mentioned that you can do you can go spinoffs and you can go one offs when speaking further about the franchise. So Guillermo del Toro had initially uh had legendary working on an animated series uh and there was supposed to be a comic book ongoing series as well i've read the pacific rim comics i quite enjoy them um i was looking forward to that del toro animated series never happened right and uh here's the thing pacific rim uprising will not do good it just won't you think i don't think so pacific rim did not do well it did not get the audience they were hoping for do you think John Boyega doesn't have the star power? I don't think he does yet. Are you sure? I would say I would say so. Because this is this is coming out after Last Jedi. Oh, that's true. After Last Jedi, could be different. Could I think different I think he might. Him. I think he might have the pull that yeah. that more people might go see this just for him. It's possible. They'd have to lean heavily onto him as as the marketing, though. Sure. Sure. So I, I, I don't look. If Pacific Rim Uprising is good, I'll probably change my mind. But as as it is now, I'm just kind of like, give me that second movie. Doing anything more might be misinformed. We've tried this mm-hmm. before, and it didn't work. Sure. Legendary's comics never sell. And they put out then they put out their own unless they want to like put them out with with someone else. Maybe like a Marvel or a DC, someone who could actually you know promote them a little bit better. I if they consider if they continue to insist on selling their own comics through the, through through Diamond, I don't see how a comic book series could do well, especially an ongoing. Sure. Uh, maybe another mini. Well, honestly, I a graphic novel. Put out an original graphic novel. That's fine. It's one thing it sells. I don't know. I think this is ill-informed. I think that they're excited. I'm glad they're excited, but I I feel like. They they may be counting uh, counting their chickens before they hatch. I think any time that anybody goes into uh, wanting to to so quickly launch into cinematic universe territory without the grounds of uh, you know <coughs> um, of it being there, 
I, I question it. Um, I'm not. I'm not against there being more Pacific Rim stuff. So right. is your thing that you're mostly against this just because you just it won't happen? Yeah, it's kind of it's like it's more me saying I don't. I got my hopes up for the animated series before. I got my hopes up for the comic book ongoing before. None of that happened. Because I really like that first film. Right. And, and I really like the world. I bought the art book, which is the closest thing I'll ever get to that world Bible, which by all intents and purposes is amazing. There are so many great characters that Travis Beecham uh, wrote out for animated shows or comic books. Uh, the Korean Jaeger program with, the twi- with these two girls. It's amazing stuff. But we never got any of that. So none of that is canon. I mean, sure. because it was never, never written out. So, why would I want? Why would I? Why would I? I mean, after the second movie, if it does really well, maybe I'll get excited again. But as of right now, there's really no reason to get excited. I see. So let's uh, objectively, because I think here's the thing. I I do think Pacific Rim Uprising has a little bit of a better chance to do to do to do well than Pacific Rim for a couple of reasons. Um, I do think that Pacific Rim is liked by a few more people after it's theatrical release. A few people saw it that didn't see it in theaters who got into it. One, two, it's got John Boyega. And I do think after last Jedi, he'll have some star power brought to him for that. And three, um, it's coming out in March and not in the summer. March is a good, actually not a bad idea to put it in. So, so it's success seems a little more possible to me. And with that in mind, I just want you to run with a hypothetical on me. Sure. Uh, if it does well, are these things you want to see? Like specifically, let's talk about the quote, the end of the third film would open it up into a star Wars slash star Trek type franchise series. Is this something you even want? If it's successful, like just, is that something you even want from Pacific Rim? So by Star Trek, by Star Trek and Star Wars, they, they specifically. So the first time you said that, I but, but didn't. But before you run into that, because I want to say, like, all I really want is I want it to do well enough that I want a third film that ends everything. I just want a trilogy. I don't really want a full franchise or series. That's what I want. I want a trilogy of good of of Pacific Rim films, and I think that would be cool. And I'd be done with it at that point. So I didn't catch that you said Star Trek, Star Wars style cinematic universe. That's that's in his quote. He says that the end of the third movie would open it up into a Star Wars slash Star Trek type franchise or series. Okay. So I want to know what you let think me, of that. Let me let me let me let me let me. So people compare Pacific Rim a lot to um, Independence Day. They follow oh, really? very, they follow very similar story beats. Okay. Um, Independence Day Resurgence. Uh, set up a Star Wars slash Star Trek style cinematic universe. Right. And literally turning to the audience and saying, we're going to space. Right. I'm all in for that. If they ever do okay. that, bring it on. Because Independence Day 2 was dumb as shit. Um, Pacific Rim, though, kaiju films work, I feel, because they're Earth-based. And I'm with you. Third film, end it. I don't want to see Jaegers in space. That's for some reason that's pushing it too far for me. You know, you're I, already making me buy that there are. <clears throat> it's, it's the it's the idea that that you know you only get one buy with audiences. 
You get, you either get, but Pacific Rim pushed that to give you. You had to buy two things. You got to buy that there are kaiju and that we built giant robots. They're connected, but try to buy both of those. Then you want me to buy a third thing that they that now we're in space in some sort of weird Gurren esque inspired. Uh, I think I might have just sold myself on it. Gurren <laughs> 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 Lagann. Oh man. I uh, think I think that in live action I don't think I want that. If the if what he's saying is that at the end of the third movie, like the kaiju that show up show up from space, mm-hmm. and then we like what would come after that would be like generations later they're in space and they find kaiju monsters on other planets and all that. That's okay and cool and all visually. But it does, for me, defeat the point of the film, which was they were defending their home from kaiju. Yes. Now they just kind of be going looking for fights. Yeah. Um, and I'm not so into that. If it were something where he's not being as literal about it being in space when he says Star Wars and Star Trek, and uh, for me, it's always been a thing of, like, these tears where the kaiju seem to come from, if they fell through into that tear and whatever world the kaiju come from, and there were more tears like that, that kind of thing is much more interesting to me. That kind of boundless creativity of what could be beyond. Sure. Um, I did. I do get hung up on the idea... <laughs> I go back to the Del Toro animated series that he wanted to do, which was going to be a prequel, which is going to lead into the events of Pacific Rim. Uh, not follow Rayleigh and, and his brother, but follow uh, other Jaeger pilots from the start of the war to the, to the point where we see them in Pacific Rim. I want that. Honestly, I really want that. An animated series... I don't know. Voltron is really good. <laughs> you could do something like that. <laughs> yeah, I could see where you're coming from, but as an animated series, not necessarily as a live-action series, because I think you could buy it easier in, a, in, a, in an animated series. So maybe they did that animated. I'd be more into it. Right. I don't know. I, I just you know hesitate to... I really like Pacific Rim, but I completely understand that it is very niche. Yes. I, I'm, I'm very much on the camp of, I think, I'd like it to, to be a trilogy. I like strong trilogies, and I'd like it to be a trilogy and then stop. Sure. Like Godzilla. Strong trilogy. Yeah. So oh, strong. Of 30 films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, there's a three in there somewhere. There are three somewhere. <coughs> no, I mean, there's a three in 30. No, there is. Uh, Hulu has... My friend texted me. Real quick tangent. My friend texted me. He was like, oh, all the Godzilla films are on Hulu. Let's do, let's do a Godzilla marathon. I was like, let me see. There's like five. And I was just like, no, 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 no. You want to do a marathon of Godzilla films? Pull out all my DVDs. We do this. Right. We go from 1954 to 2004. Let's do it. Right. Pacific Rim Final War is my favorite. Anyway, trailers. A bunch of trailers dropped this week. Did they? I, I missed all of it. Oh. Oh, something like this. this, this. I guess we'll move on then. Yeah, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> you have Castle Rock more in your memory uh, than I do. I saw it earlier this week. I mean, it's there's not a lot to talk about there. It's a lot of visual stuff. Um, it looks cool. Uh, there's an actor in it I like. Yeah. And so I'm I'm on board already. Now, this is Stephen King's... Uh, well, he's not doing it, but it's it's based off of Stephen King's short stories in an anthology-style format, right? 
Correct. At least that's what I understand. Because multiple of his stories take place in the town of Castle Rock. Right. Right. So I'm I'm curious. Yeah, me too. I'd like to see it. Stephen King's on the rise right now. We saw we've seen more good than bad adaptations from him recently. I mean, let's be clear. Stephen King's stuff has always been fine. It's that the adaptations of his things have not always been good yet. For it, what I think it is, what I think it is, is you have a generation of people who grew up seeing bad Stephen King movies be like, they don't know how to adapt his material and knowing how to do it better. Right. I think that's what we're seeing. And, and I think this could be another example of that potentially. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, well, not much to say about that one, so let's move on to New Mutants. Now, I want to say, oh, first thing I want to say, and I, I told you this, this trailer is, we both think this trailer is very interesting for, due, for, very, for two different reasons. Uh, right. so, so my whole thing is, if they don't mention the word mutant in this film, in this trailer, which they only do once, besides mm-hmm. the title, there's no way to tell it's an X-Men property. Right. There's no showcasing of powers. It just looks like a psychological horror film. And it kind of is taking cues from Legion. In fact, something Andrew mentioned on the Facebook page, uh, that it does look a little Legion-esque. Right. Uh, what's, uh, what's your takeaway on this trailer? So, i got to be really clear with what I mean here. Um, or be vague. I don't care. I, I like... Oh, how do I explain this? Okay, I like the New Mutants trailer. So that's not what I'm saying when I say what I'm about to say. I feel that it's not the best teaser trailer that could have been made for this movie because for me, it looks like it, like you said, without the word mutants, it, it, you couldn't tell it's an X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and without that, it looks like, to be honest with you, it looks like a high budget, uh, visually flavorful horror film that doesn't, based on just this teaser trailer, if I judged it against horror movie trailers, I can't tell you what it's about. Yeah. Like, I can't tell you why I would want to see this. I want to see it because I like the actors in it. I really do like the actors. I do too. And that's not usually something that comes up when you see a horror movie trailer where you're like, a lot of horror movies use a lot of uh, lesser known actors or like one well-known actor. This has a few who I like. Uh, so I want to see it for them, and I want to see it because I do know that it's an X-Men movie. But if you took those two things away and I watched this trailer, I would think this just looked like a, a whole lot of visual. I like someone who really likes the visual uh, m- messiness that can be created in an asylum setting mm-hmm. for a horror film without any actual substance present in the teaser trailer. Sure, And that... Um, put me off a little bit so this is done by josh boone who uh did fault in our stars a film i really like um he so this is a horror film we also don't get mention of who these characters are although we do know um i know that um the girl from the witch and split is playing iliana um which uh, and, is, a, and a taylor joy yeah yeah she's playing um the sister of colossus magic right. yep um the kid from stranger things is playing sunspot Mm-hmm. I forgot who Macy Williams is playing. I don't remember either. I was yeah. trying to remember it. So this is uh, so we we really get, <coughs> get we really get these guys, and this is based off of the Chris Claremont New Mutants run, basically the beginning, the Demon Bear stuff. Um, so we don't get to see the Demon Bear, which is kind of sad. I would like to see him. Um, so yeah, this is 
I don't know, man. Uh, I'm still looking forward to this. This is still this is the first um, X Men movie to come out next year, right? We out of three. Uh, uh, yes. Um, y- yes, I, it should be. Yeah. Um, because Deadpool so, and Dark Phoenix just wrapped. Yes. Yeah. So, so for me, I gotta be. So, what I'm saying is, I still want to see this movie. You have me. You had me sold from concept alone early on, right. with casting these actors and doing this story. Keep doing something new uh, with the X Men property and doing, and doing this X Men horror film. Like I'm on board. I'm on board for that. The um, new stuff. The new stuff they've I been hope, doing is working. I hope the marketing is better with the next trailer because for me, this this teaser doesn't tease as much as it feels. Like here's a lot of really good actors in a thing that you might like but kind of looks a lot like other things that are already out there and i'm like what is gonna set this apart is there enough here that is going to set this apart because it's hard for me to tell just from this teaser trailer not that i'm not looking for it's strange how fox normally works in comparison to this trailer because normally they do like to bank on that x-men name um legion gifted uh, they they do they are taking risk with the X Men franchise outside of their main their core films and I do appreciate it because I've liked a lot of it, um, Deadpool Logan, but New Mutants is one of the is one of the ones where again X Men is not in this title anywhere nor mentioned, right. right? So I'm I'm curious to see what the next trailer will look like. Yeah, I think they're gonna have to make it really clear with the next one what the movie's gonna be about because it can't just be about. It's a scary movie with mutants. It yeah. can't. That's and that's all this teaser trailer is. Even Gifted said X Men in the trailer. Sure. So, but I mean, like, I I need to know what this movie's about. I need to know the substance of yeah. what the story is because for me, I'm not sold on that premise. Speaking of kid from Stranger Things, uh huh. Stranger Things two released a, their final teaser before their premiere in two weeks. Ooh, did they? Yeah. I think. Tell it looked, me more. I think it looked awesome. I've seen it twice. I am not going to lie. I liked the first trailer more, and I didn't need to see more because I was already going to watch the show anyway. Yeah. Well, um, that's everyone's excuse for Star Wars. I agree. I stand by that as well. Yeah. I don't I don't think Star Wars needed uh, more than one trailer. I've yeah. said that before. I don't think it was necessary. Uh, even Ryan Johnson himself kind of recommended to a lot of people, like, don't go out of your way to see it. Like, if you see it, it's not going to... It's not going to kill you, but if you would like to not know anything more, don't watch it. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment, but it's just um, Stranger but, Things. But, but uh, for Stranger Things, I I like the first trailer more. I think it's just because of the music they used. Because um, I love that they used Thriller the way they used it. Yeah, that was a good trailer. Uh, I mean, I don't know what more to say about Stranger Things because I'm already... I was sold before the trailer came out, the first one. I was more sold when that one came out. And I'm like... At this point, I'm just like, okay, release it. I know. I want to see it. What are right. you doing? We did get to see more of Eleven in this one, and we got <laughs> to see more of the, whatever the creature is in this one. Uh, I like the design of the creature a lot uh, in this one. More of yes. Will. Uh, I like that Will is going to be a, m- a more prevalent character in this season. Right. Uh, I like that actor. I think all the kids are great. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot, a lot more you could say about it than other than uh, there wait. was There was one line that kind of bothered me. Yeah. Um it's a silly little thing. Uh Nancy is sitting in the in a bedroom talking to somebody and she says it feels like we never see each other unless the world is about to end and I'm like, "Okay, Nancy, that's happened literally one time before." She's talking to Will's brother. Right. No, I know. Yeah. Well, you said somebody. I mean, 
I, I can't remember his name, so I didn't want I don't to go remember into his name it. Either. It's not it's not relevant right now. Ned? Is it Ned? I don't remember. Whatever. Um, Sunspot? <laughs> so so but Nancy says, you know, it feels like we never see each other unless the world's about to end. Nancy, that's happened like one time. Calm down. Yeah, right. Calm down. This is Nancy. not a reoccurring this is theme. Just a, this is not season five. This is season two. Right. Nancy. I thought that was strange too. It's not too. all about you. I thought that was really strange too. Um, but I'm more surprised that the, uh, the implication is that they they haven't. Uh, there's two implications to that line that in between then and now the world has ended quite a few times, um, or uh, they just haven't seen each other since the end of, of season one, and that's right. kind of sad because I like them. Or just that they haven't really spent time together. Sure. Summer vacation, man, does some horrible things. Yeah, puberty and stuff. Yeah. Although this is Halloween, so this is the end of the year. So Star Wars. The Last oh, Jedi. I've, I've heard about that. Um, Star Trek? I'm not that into it. I think we can move on. Okay. Moving on. Uh, no. Um, we got to talk about it. Everyone's going to talk about it. We don't need to touch on it too much, though. Because, honestly, one of the things that I thought this this trailer showed me specifically was that you know it's the classic it's the it's the trope i hate that they do in comics but i kind of like it when they do it in trailers everything you think you know is wrong right so basically this trailer to me was a big misdirect and saying you know you thought you knew what this movie was about you've no idea right um and maybe you could piece together some some things like i think i pieced together uh maybe a plot point but i could be really reaching for this one um right and it's it looks good there's a lot of beautiful imagery in this trailer i truly felt like a lot of the shots in this trailer were just straight up gorgeous you could use any of those for like wallpapers so new star wars trailers fascinate me uh, the trailers for Force Awakens did and the trailers for The Last Jedi have because they are unlike any movie trailers that are out right now. Like, you you kind of, you get a rhythm and a formula of movie trailers. Star Wars does not obey that rhythm mm-hmm. and formula with its trailers. They're, they're very... <clears throat> and I like it. Um, and I think the best way I can describe it is they do not... It feels like they do, but they really don't show their money shots. That's true. They really don't. They keep it all close to the vest. Yeah. Um, and that like in Force really Awakens, impresses me. So like in Force Awakens, we never saw Ray with a lightsaber. No, we did not. In the, in the marketing. And I thought that was uh, really cool. You never see like a big moment of a, uh, what would be an example? You never see, um, you never see Ray being handed the lightsaber from uh, Maz. Maz. You never see, uh, like, the closest you get to a money shot is Han and Chewie getting on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. You 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 barely see the uh, Millennium Falcon flying. But they you know, mislead you, it, you. but you barely see it. They mislead you into thinking that's the major money shot of the film. Right. Um, they really, they don't show you, like, uh, to me, what would be a money shot in Last Jedi would be uh, when uh, Finn goes at Phasma. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's an even bigger moment around that, and we're yeah. not being shown it. And I and it's it, it really stands out to me. Like uh, you just you don't get those big cataclysmic moments. Um, uh, any of the fight with Kylo in the snow, 
uh, almost none of it made it into almost none made it into the trailers. Yeah. But just the trailers. I'm not talking about TV spots. Trailers. So, so this, and I don't watch TV spots because I, I watch only what I'm going to see in theaters. Um, I was going to say, I was going to ask you this question that a lot of people are asking themselves. You know, a lot of people online are asking the same question. So I figured, you know, follow suit. Whatever. Do you think Luke is going to turn on his lightsaber in this film? His green one. His green one. Um, Do you think we'll see it? Yes, I think we'll see it. Yeah. I don't know that he'll turn it on. Do you think it's? Do you think that's the money shot they're not showing us? I think there's a lot of money shots they're not showing us. Like, to be clear. Uh, yeah, there's there's another misleading money. Well, there's another that I think is a misleading money shot, and that's the one where Kylo is about to shoot down <clears throat> Leia. Uh, th- yes. Not to mention that um, there's so many. Uh, which was awesome, by the way. There's there's a giant shot in uh, the behind the scenes feature that didn't make it into any of the trailers, where Leia's standing alone on a frozen planet, um, or frozen terrain, I should say, because I don't know that it's a frozen planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that looked like that was an important shot, and that's not in the movie. Or uh, uh, Laura Dern's character makes zero appearances in this trailer. I was about like, to that's say, not, like they keep they keep a lot of stuff really close to the vest. And we I don't know these see, things are important. We don't see Laura Dern or Benicio del Toro. We don't see R2 or C3PO. Yeah, that's true. We don't. We like, see Chewbacca. Um, they, they they give us they really do give us the bare minimum. Yeah. It looks like they spoil a lot, but they really don't because there's a lot of there's a lot that we haven't seen yet that we keep like, thinking like you can't you can't know everything about this movie. Yeah. It's impossible to piece like a lot of these other films, especially big tentpole films, you know, you can kind of piece together the narrative by the time you've seen the final trailer of what's going to happen. I like, pieced together I the piece, entire 10 minutes of Avengers before I saw it. I can piece together almost the entire narrative of Justice League at this point. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah pretty much. I, I, I can. It's all there. Uh, all the pieces are there. Um, even though they haven't shown Superman, it's all there. Uh, but there is so much in the in the Star Wars trailers that they keep just so close to the vest. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed with their marketing because the thing is like even more than force awakens, I think there's a giant question mark on what is going to happen in this movie and what is it going to mean? Yeah, I agree. And they have given us clues, but the clues are connected to the wrong letters and so we're matching numbers to the letters and it's like, huh, we gave you clues, but you don't even have the right board. Yeah. And so we're not going to put it together before yeah. the movie comes out. And that's why I'm really excited about this new movie. Yeah. I'm really excited about last Jedi. Um, all right. Anything else you want to add before we move on? Uh, last Jedi is now with what's left of the year, my most anticipated movie of the year, even though I'm still excited for Thor. Yeah, I'll say that. I'll bite that bullet. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, who said we can't do an hour-long news segment with two people? <laughs> so, we decided to touch on a bunch of things that we haven't been able to or won't be able to uh, touch on by the end of the year. Um, sure. And uh, one in particular that I want to start with is the Orville. The Orville. Uh, of... of so I was talking to this with you and everyone uh, earlier today, uh, where the Orville has, is such a strange beast because critics don't like it. 
but they like Star Trek Discovery. Fans don't like Star Trek Discovery, but they like the Orville. And I right. and I'm I'm there. I like the Orville a lot. Mind you, I'm not caught up with Discovery, but I, and I am caught up on the Orville. Uh, I think the Orville is is sincere and just. I don't think the humor quite lands all the time, but I do res- I do respect that it's not prevalent in the script right. in the scripts. Um, it's not a comedy, which I think threw a lot of people. Yeah, I think so too. Because, because it, it was, is not a comedy. I can't tell you it's a comedy because it's it's not a comedy show. It was marketed as Galaxy Quest, essentially. Right. And that's that's wrong. I, I've really grown to really like the characters. I'm not crazy on the pilot, uh, on the on the on the helmsman, if I'm honest. Uh, but I re- I've grown to really like Alana, Alara and uh, and uh, Bordas. I think the helmsman makes a good straight man to everybody else. Not in the sense of the way that jokes are played, but in the sense of being balanced neutral mm-hmm. uh, as a per- focal point perspective for the audience to look at the rest of the characters. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I just, you know, a lot of times <laughs> he's just really goofy and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think he he's quite found the character yet. Um, I'll agree with that. But I I think Alara, uh, I re- I'm really starting to like Alara. There was the episode where they were on the bio ship uh, where Alara was talking about relationships, and I really like I really like that scene between her and uh, and um, uh, Adrian Pilecki. There is literally no character on the crew I don't enjoy. On some level, that yeah. That we've met. That we've met. I enjoy uh, I enjoy the um, mechanical. Uh, being Isaac, yep, Isaac. I enjoy Boris and his mate Bortis so much. Yes, sorry, <laughs> I like Boris more. Okay, fair um, enough. Oh man, oh man, can we talk about the Bortis episode real quick? As the episode that I felt that show finally. So the first two episodes are kind of goofy and 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 but they're not really dealing with like a lot of like Star Trek issues. But it's kind of a fun show. Episode three deals with gender reassignment in a really sincere, loving way that says, no matter what you are, we'll love you for who you are. Uh, and they, they give a great fight between the two sides. And uh, so essentially the plot is Bordas comes from a, a species of all male uh, inhabitants. And once every 75 years or so, uh, a, a female is born and they do gender reassignment. They reassign the gender and make them a male make her a male at birth as a child and so this raises a lot of ethical questions on the ship uh which is something that star trek often did where they were kind of got their hands in in places they really shouldn't and i do agree I, I think maybe ed shouldn't have taken such a hard stance on someone else's species but i also really liked the themes at play and i thought they were handled very well uh by right. the end of the episode i, I was very impressed <clears throat> that's kind of where i fell in love with the show Yes, I do think that it was good that they did that episode so early in. Mm-hmm. I think it, it solidified what the show was going to be about. Yeah. Um, I really like that. I thought that was uh, well handled. We talked, you and I talked earlier about how we are, neither of us are fans of uh, Ryan Murphy because of how he likes to hit the audience over the head with very basic and simple messages that have no real opinion or special thought put to them. They're just, I agree with the majority of people. Bam. Look texting while you driving is too. bad bam bam um and this was handled much more deftly with its message of not forcing an opinion on you just presenting the debate yes no i agree uh and then the <clears throat> next episode the next episode uh not well having my favorite cameo um it, it has 
has an interesting uh, ramification of like just kind of uh, cultism. Um, you know, the, this guy is like, you know, wor- how you worship uh, deities and all and all that sort of thing. I towards the end of the episode, I kind of wish they had gone a little bit further with uh, the ethical ramifications of basically upending their entire worldview. Sure. Where they could have just like redirected the ship. They didn't need to just be like, okay, now show them that they're that, on a spaceship. That part where they open the sky, and I'm like, you're telling me these people have never seen stars? Some of these people died from seeing these stars <laughs> yeah, all of a exactly. sudden. Like, <laughs> the, the sky literally splits in two to reveal the stars. There's it's not- daytime, and it splits open in half. Yeah. To reveal stars. That would make people shit their pants. Like, <laughs> there are a is, lot of people is, who are like, uh, dead. That that should have been a frightening and terrifying moment right. in their lives. Um, it was interesting. It's an interesting episode. I, I like the way they built things. Um, it's not flawless, but it's certainly entertaining. It, it's definitely found its footing pretty early on. And I think, you know, it's only so far it's only got 13 episodes planned. I think that's enough. There's a big special effects too. budget on this on this series. And you I can think tell. shows I think shows do much better from right now. We've talked about this too mm-hmm. from a climate of you know I would like the CW shows a lot better if they did 13 episode seasons. Uh, do you like how it's episodic instead of serialized? Because I'm kind yes. of on board with that. I mean, there is a serialization to it, but it's much less than your normal. It's, inter- uh, it's interpersonal serializations rather than overarching plot. It, it feels like Star Trek. It feels yeah. like the way Star Trek handles it. Yeah. Whereas Discovery has gone to a more serialized approach with their storytelling. I, I can't comment on that because I haven't watched it yet, but oh. sure. Yeah, it's serialized. I mean, I'm not knocking on Star Trek. I'm uh, Discovery, I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I really like the Orville, and I'm glad it exists. I'm glad I have it, and I hope that it gets more. Uh, I got to say, though, that special effects budget must be in the millions. Good for them. It looks great. That model, that model of the Orville, I really like that design. Yeah, it's And cool. I'm really glad it's like a practical model that they use. Me too. Yeah, I'm happy with it. Um, you I'm, very, to... I'm very interested to see what, what more happens with the, the krill. Me too. I really like the krill. Uh, this last episode, I don't want to spoil, but it was a krill-heavy episode, and I know you haven't seen I, it I yet. I know it was. I know it was. Uh, yeah. I quite liked it. Um, there's a, there's, there, it was, it's one of my favorites so far. Right on. Yeah. Uh, moving on to another one that you wanted to touch on, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Um, we don't get a lot of time to talk about uh, uh, a lot of things. The that CW shows, I know. <laughs> a lot of things that we enjoy. Um, one of them that I, I kind of want to touch on is uh, I'm a big fan of um, well-made cartoons that are going on right now. Um, I'm a huge fan of them. And... Uh, there are a couple on, but a very new one that's happening on Cartoon Network is called OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes. I haven't heard of that. Um, OKKO OK Let's Be Heroes is spawned out of the mind of uh, a animator who's worked on Adventure Time and worked on Steven Universe and now has his own show. He's also the voice of Wallow on Bravest Warriors, which is another great cartoon show that uh, people should check out. Um, and it's essentially uh, this... It's it's really hard for me to describe this show, but the animation and the characters are so vibrant and fun. Um, it is not, at the moment, a very heavily serialized show. I'm sure it will develop that, but it's much more just... It is a fun cartoon. 
I don't have anything special I can point to about this. It's just a fun cartoon, and animation, I want people to check it out. Animation, when we were kids, w- was very rarely serialized. Yes, it it, it all changed. Ha, 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 ha. It all changed when Avatar The Last Airbender came out. Um, it all changed when the Fire Nation Yes, attacked. yes, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> um, Avatar The Last Airbender changed the whole dynamic of cartoons in America, because once that happened and was as wildly popular as it was, people realized, oh, kids and adults, but kids uh, do like a continuous storyline where things develop and change. And um, the most successful current cartoons take after that effect. Um, I've had a discussion with a buddy of mine about this, that uh, all, all great stories need change. They need to involve change of some sort. Uh, otherwise, there's, there's nothing happening in watching them. Um, even the Simpsons for as long on as it's been going has learned to let their characters kind of be affected by things over time. Um, so I, I really do appreciate when serialization is done well in cartoons. Uh, another one that's doing really well is uh, star versus the forces of evil on Disney. This one is right up your alley. That's one you it's, and Ben like, right? Yes. Uh, it is, it is a, uh, Disney's first female creator uh, run animation show. And it is, it is excellent. I highly recommend it to people, especially you, Brandon. Um, And the reason why I jumped over to Disney XD is because what I wanted us to talk about. Sparks. I don't like animation. Yes, you do. (laughs) Um, I wanted to talk about, uh, because you and I just watched this together, um, DuckTales. Oh, it was so good. Yes. Yeah, I really like DuckTales. There was another animated show that I really liked. Um, oh, I'll talk about it in a minute, a minute actually. But yes, DuckTales. Uh, DuckTales, I felt that... I only saw the pilot so far. I haven't re- watched the rest. It's excellent. I love the animation. I love seeing that animation uh, on Disney. It's it's so beautiful looking. Um, I love classic hand-drawn animation happening somewhere with Disney, with Disney characters. A lot of the XD titles are hand-drawn animation. Tangled, the Uh, series, for one. Almost all. Almost all. And they they look great. Tangled, the series is another show I'm loving. I'm loving watching. But I I definitely, I'm so on board with DuckTales. They nailed that. Yeah. Uh, Let's, uh, yeah, no, no, DuckTales, I was very impressed by. I love the voices. I love the voice acting. And soon Um, they're going to have Big Hero 6 come out. Yes, I'm very excited for that. Yeah. Um, which we touched on, uh, I think last week. Uh, we touched on the big series, big hero six series. We touched on it a while back. It wasn't last week, but it was a while ago. Oh, okay, um, but we did, yes. Yeah, uh, but man, I, Ducktales, I kind of got on board with immediately when there, when that, uh, uh, the uh, the the first video that announced the cast, uh, right. immediately, which was just them singing the Ducktales theme song, and we were right. we were listening to the Ducktales theme song, which actually shows up pretty late in the pilot, um it's basically it keeps the heart and the fun and the fun of the original DuckTales theme while also Mm -hmm. modernizing it. Right. And I really appreciated that. And I bring that up because another show that takes an original theme song and brings it to a new, to the same kind of show is Fuller House, um, which is a show I've, I've watched a little bit of, uh, but that theme song does not do that it does not keep that heart of the original song it's just kind of a poppy updated version and you lose the heart of that original song and i was really happy to see that ducktales did not do that it was it was excellent i loved it right right um keep it in animation though 
We don't get to talk about Rick and Morty, and I'm no, really we do sad not, about and that. I wanted to talk about that with you, so let's talk about Rick and Morty. It's excellent. It is. All of, we're both caught up up to season three. We are. And who knows when season four will come out? Maybe in yeah. five years. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rick and Morty <coughs> is something that I've I came to late, and I'm very sad that I did. Because uh, I I watched I watched all of it just after April Fools, uh, when they put out the first episode of season three. And right. it's such a wonderful, deep cartoon mm-hmm. that is, it's not for kids. And, I, and I'm glad that, you know, uh, it, Rick and Morty in a way kind of, maybe Rick and Morty didn't do this, but we finally figured out that cartoons don't need to be for adults, uh, for uh, kids. Not always. Right. They could be right. for adults. Rick and Morty yeah. certainly uh, allowed Samurai Jack to do the fifth season as it did. Um, obviously Rick, Rick and Morty is way more violent than Samurai Jack, but still. <laughs> I don't know. Samurai Jack got pretty violent. It got pretty dark I in mean, Rick last and season. Still, Rick and Morty still really violent, but yeah. Yeah, yeah I, lo- I, lo- I really love Rick and Morty. Uh, I think uh, it's... I think it's a... No, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. No, you go. No, go. No, you go. I was just rambling. <laughs> <laughs> um... I feel that uh, Rick and Morty does a really good job of balancing its uh, nihilistic perspectives with um, not necessarily shoving it down the audience's throats, that that is the only way to look at the world. Just it is a very prominent way that characters look at the world in Rick and Morty. Um, it's, a, it's a very smart show. It's very well structured. Uh, I thought season three was just immaculate some fantastic episodes out of season three even its weakest episode of the season i still think was great so which one did you did you think was the weakest um i feel like it's somewhere between the episode about um uh beth and her imagination imaginary land Um, (laughs) i remember that one and I put that, but I put that above, I think that episode as a whole was weaker, but the, but the point of it, the whole thing with Beth was a great thing to do in the series. Yeah. And I think that the weakest episode of the series was probably the uh, one with the parody of the guardians of the galaxy. The vindicator, the vindicators. The vindicators. Yeah. Um, that one was, I felt like the weakest out of all of them. And I'm still saying it was a great episode. I freaking loved it. I just think it was the weakest. Yeah. Kind of like Pixar, how even their bad movies aren't aren't bad. Right. Yeah, I I I've, I felt the season was definitely probably its strongest. Um it wasn't as funny as as later seasons, but I think it made up for it uh, by telling just I I don't want to say better stories, but grander stories. I think it I think it paid off on the feeling that you got at the end of season 2. Yes, certainly. And this one didn't end on any sort of cliffhanger like the last no, it did not. two seasons did. No, I think because they realized that in the gap between season two and three, they didn't want to leave audiences on such a huge cliffhanger when they're not entirely sure when they'll be back, yeah. which I appreciate them thinking that way. Yeah. And I do like that Cartoon Network adults allows them to just put out seasons when they can. Right. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I really love the, the evil Morty stuff that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, only, only get taste of it. And so uh, Nerdist put out this theory, but I completely buy into it. But I think Evil Morty is Rick's original Morty. Could be. Because Rick has memories of, of Morty growing up, but Morty doesn't have any memories of Rick growing up. Right, right. Uh, which leads us to believe that this is not his Rick. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I think I think that's how Evil Morty comes into play. 
Because mm, mm. there's a line where it's like bad things happens when a Morty has uh, confidence or something like that. And so maybe Rick gave his original Morty too much confidence. Like, you know, it was like, you know, good to him. Uh-huh. And uh, turned him evil on right. accident. I think that'd be kind of cool. I'd be into that. It'll be interesting to see where they take things from here. For yeah. sure. But on the other spectrum of that, I also really love Voltron. Yes, you have been wanting to do a Voltron episode, and we will get there. I hope so. I love it so much. I Season four just have, dropped. I would also one day like to have a real honest discussion about Steven Universe, because I think Steven Universe is one of the most important cartoons being made right now. Yeah, I've uh, heard for that. For children. I've heard that. I feel, I feel that's true. I think it's very much affecting the the... You know, we talk a lot about sometimes how we're seeing products made by kids who grew up on what we did, people who grew up on what we did as kids and how they look at it. So, you know, like people grew up on Spielberg films and they're coming at films their own way. And I'm very encouraged when I see things like Steven Universe or Rick and Morty even or um, uh, DuckTales or Star vs. the Forces of Evil. Um, I'm very encouraged by what kind of creative atmosphere is being fostered for our, for kids right now yeah. that what they're going to go on to do with those things in their minds you know, um it's a much more open space going back to that serialized uh, for example uh for example real quick star yeah. versus the force of evil uh constantly has gay couples present in the background hmm. um but never makes a big deal about it and that's a disney show which impresses the heck out of me. Oh, I remember. Um, I remember they got some. They got some flack from that from one million moms. Uh, and yeah, and um, uh, there's a lot of cartoons right now that are trying to for being a little more forward thinking than a lot of our cartoons ever were. And yeah. that's that's great to see. So, I mean, but Powerpuff Girls had a had him. So yes, um, I'm not saying it never happened. I'm just saying yeah. like. Uh, it's it's great to see it. The thing that I think is so effective is there's there's shows like Clarence on Cartoon Network mm-hmm. where they're where they had um, one of the characters had two moms, and they they just never does the show make it feel weird. I want to touch it on it feels normal. I want to touch on uh, one thing real quick, so I'm going to try to remember this. But Ducktales, uh, Ducktales is another example of a show that was episodic, and this current one seems much more serialized. With the Hard inclusion of right now, but yes, with the inclusion of Donald and the tease at the end of 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 uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mother, it has some kind of overarching story to tell for sure. Yeah, uh, and that was something that they never they never touched on Donald Duck in the original in the original cartoon. Um, right, they did touch Darkwing Duck, which I felt was fun. Um, another show, Darkwing Duck, man, that was so good. Anyway, so you look at some of the Tartakovsky series, bouncing off what you what you said about the the some of the Tartakovsky series. Um, they well, he was able to pepper in some interesting uh, uh, social commentaries at the time. Yes, he was. Tartakovsky is uh, a genius. Yeah, and, and in a way that that a kid would just completely. Whew. But I right. remember I watched an episode of Powerpuff Girls not too long ago. One of his, one of the original Tartakovsky Powerpuff Girls, and uh, there's a bit where the mayor was babysitting the Powerpuff Girls. And uh, the professor comes in and goes, oh, and the mayor's just kind of like sleep, sleeping on, on just standing up sleeping. And uh, he's like, Mr. Mayor, you can go home now. And the mayor like bursts awake and says, my life is a lie. And you're yes. just like, Whoa, what? Right. <laughs> Where does that go? Yeah. So there's some of the stuff that's pretty, pretty dark. Yes. 
Samurai Jack got pretty dark in this last season. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's. I'm just I'm just so happy with with that kind of climate that our cartoons are living in right now. I yeah. really enjoy it. I agree. Um, and I don't get to to embellish on it enough. Uh, did you have another thing right now? Nothing that I can really think of. I've I've got one. Um, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's spoilery and all that. But um, Dragon Ball Super just let out a uh, oh last week a very important two part uh, episode special for the series. Um, and on the tail of it, I found out about this uh, theory running around that Akira Toriyama has chosen the colors of like auras for Super Saiyan forms on purpose. Uh, that they are based off the seven chakras. And there's actually an organization of thought to why when Goku becomes Super Saiyan God, he turns red. When, why blue is another step past that. Why yellow is the standard Super Saiyan form. Um, all these kind of things. There's a lot of thought put into it. And I was like, wow, this is some really interesting stuff. I'm not going to go into all of it right now. Um, so we could be seeing more Super Saiyans. Uh it certainly does imply that there are at least two, one or two more colors that we haven't seen because mm-hmm. we've seen a few at this point. Um, but it seems like there's one or two that we haven't quite seen touched on because we've seen yellow. We've seen uh, blue. We've seen red. We've seen green and we've seen uh, pink. So interesting. I didn't we'll know. See. I haven't realized that, which was pink. Yeah. Which was pink. Uh, it happens in super. I can't go into it too Got much. It. Okay. Um, yeah. Don't spoil for me. I, I will. I will. I would be happy to talk about it. If it's something people who are listening to the show say, let's get into that. And I'd be like, absolutely. Um, otherwise you and I can talk about it on our own time, but uh, super you... is rolling right along. And I think it's great. And I don't get to talk about it enough. So, Hey, super's great. Rolling right along. With da, 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 sorry. Um, no, I, I actually did have another one. Um, something that we'll never talk about. Were you a Pokemon guy or a Digimon guy? Uh, Pokemon, I saw both. I favored Pokemon, but that's mostly because uh, my friend was into Pokemon. So it was like something that I could share with him. Mm. Uh, and I didn't have a friend who was into Digimon or anything. So I was a Digimon guy. I, I followed Digimon <laughs> oh, religiously. I know. I know. Those first, I watched the first four seasons of that show. Uh, the first two being my favorites because uh, they were the only two that connected. Um, right. currently they're putting out Digimon Adventures Try, which is, uh, being released here in America as individual films. And I think there's five altogether and we have two right. out with the next one coming out, I think this month, uh, possibly next month. So that's awesome, by the way. So Digimon, yeah. w- watching Try, uh, I was reminded of, of, of something that Digimon was butchered when it was adapted. Towards the end, they didn't give too much shits about it. But in the beginning, it was very butchered about what it wanted, about the themes it was presenting and the storylines it was doing in the dialogue. It was very kid-friendly. Towards the end, they were able to do some darker things because the audience had grown up with them and they, and that we were getting into the time where anime was not being as heavily altered for American audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were just kind of like transitioning into that idea that maybe just dub it and put it out. <clears throat> right. Um, and Digimon Adventures Try... Uh, is that is that sensibility of let's just dub it and put it out? Uh, some of the voice cast doesn't come back. That's kind of that kind of bugs me. But most of the, most of the English voice cast does. And the first episode has Ty 
the main character dealing with the fact that he's realizing that all the destruction that they cause is a problem that Digimon are the problem and that maybe he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to be a Digitamer. You know, he's going through the, 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 the early twenties of this is not, I, I didn't ask to do this. It was fun when I was a kid, but this is awful and this is horrible and people are dying and my Digimon friends are, are, are fighting and, and losing at times. And uh, that's all mixed in with the fact that perhaps the second season Digidestin, the 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 Davis and 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 uh, and them might be dead. The beginning of that of that first movie, it looks like they died, and we have not touched on it. And now two films, and it is bugging the shit out of me <laughs> because the first thing I texted my friend, I texted my friend, I was like, "Did the second gen kids just die?" And it's nuts. And the the animation is excellent. I love the animation style they chose for this mo- for these movies. Um, and we get to see a, some new mega levels. Uh, we always had Omnimon and um, uh, Omnimon from the original movies. But this has kind of rekindled my my kind of hope that maybe the people who put out the TV series and, and now try will finally get the rights to the original Digimon films that we massively butchered into one stupid film. Uh, right. And release dubbed versions of the just those original films as they stood because those i got to see one on youtube one is actually dubbed and put out there as the original intent and it's fantastic yeah so i'd really like to see that happen <clears throat> and try is just super dark and super existential and i i'm surprised having just recently re- rewatched uh, season one and two yeah it's it's amazing how much more we like animation and cartoons when they take on more real mess- yeah. real things than uh you know yeah especially as we get older but it's amazing how many kids to me are are uh, being drawn to real messages um you know it's that whole thing like you know talk to kids like they're adults yeah exactly treat them treat them like adults don't treat them like kids and they, they take things a lot more seriously yeah you look at um, rebels which is a bit of a it was more adult than clone wars Oh man, you want to talk about Rebels? That's about to come out. Man, that we came could, out. Wait, that started tonight. We could do an episode. On, tonight, we could huh? do a whole episode on Rebels. Oh, maybe when it's over. Yeah, I agree. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I I really like how Rebels has. I think Rebels picked up the mantle from Clone Wars pretty darn well. I think so too. And carried it further. I I do I do like that show. There are definitely a, an episode here or there where I'm like, bleh. but there but were more. The most part, they were far more in Clone Wars. Much much more strong ones. Uh, Clone Wars had a lot of good ones. To this to the end of the season, it got really great. I thought I felt towards the end of the series, it got really great. Yeah, um, I really like the stuff that Finn centered on the clones, but Rebels has just been fantastic. I love how they handled Darth Vader in season two. Season one was a little weak for me for Rebels. Yeah, I had trouble getting into it in the first season. I remember that yeah. it was. It took a little while for it to grab me. It felt very pedestrian to me for a, for a little while there. Yeah, but it got there. It got there, uh, for sure. Anything else, or do you want to? Yeah, man. Um, there was a rumor, not a rumor. There was a statement recently from Tom Welling that he has had a discussion with the guys at CW about how he would want to be involved with the CW shows, DC CW shows. Did you ever see this? I did see this. Yeah. 
yeah, he had a statement that he has talked to them about it and there's an idea there. And I'm like, that's cool that that discussion has been had. So what are we getting? Are we getting you back in general, just appearing as somebody kind of Erica Durant style? Or like um, how she's playing how she's playing Kara's mom now? Or, or Christopher getting... Christopher Reeve esque? Right. Are we Spoiler. getting that? Are are we getting you as Superman from a, another world? A la Crisis? Are we going to get that I, what I would love is that Smallville is another part of the multiverse? Because then Smallville is officially, which is owned by them, so it makes sense. Yeah. But Smallville is then another part of the multiverse, and so you can consider it all connected. I'd really like to see Smallville part of the multiverse, because I'd also really like to see um, Green Arrow come back from that universe. Still, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Still my favorite Green Arrow, mind you. Um, I'd really like to see that. We could also maybe introduce some of the characters from the comics. Uh, when yep. we got season 11 with Batman and Wonder Woman. That'd <clears throat> be could, fun. We could. We if, could we, if they wanted to go that far, we totally could. I would love to see uh, if he if he were up for it, which I, I Tyler don't Hoechlin, entirely know that he would. Tyler Hoechlin would meet love, Tom Welling. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think a meeting, a, a, a double up episode where Superman meets Superman and, and Green Arrow meets Green Arrow could be fun. Yeah. But um, all even more than that is... Uh, I just really want an excuse for Michael Rosenbaum's Lex Luthor to get involved. That'd be great. That'd be really great. Yeah, that would. He could put on the bald cap for one episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. I think I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think if they are, as I feel they they in the back of their heads are at least certainly thinking about building up to a crisis event at some point. Mm-hmm. If that is where we're headed, because how could it not be like with the crossover being what it is this year? How is a crisis not eventually in our future? Yeah, no, I of agree. The worlds of the worlds clashing with each it's other. It's entirely um, possible we could see a crisis in our situation. If we ever were to get a crisis, I'd really like for them to involve Smallville. I, I think, I, yeah, I, specifically, specifically Tom Welling Superman. It would be great to see Tom Welling actually be Superman, and it would be great to have that, and it would be great to be able to say Smallville's a part of this collection of shows because the show, this show collection already has Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, um, Supergirl, Constantine, the Vixen series, the you know, all this stuff is already all connected and you add in Smallville to that, I think that's a good time. I'm certain Black Lightning's gonna get added to it. The past uh the previous Flash T V series is confirmed part of the multiverse. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh when uh the first time we're going we he, he travels to the, the speed force in the multiverse, we see uh we see Jabalissa ships flash from the the nineties series uh pass by. Oh, got it. Yeah, and they so, they've also said they kind of consider the the flat that series to be Earth three that we see John Melissa's ship at, but that's Jay Garrick and not Barry Allen, so I think that's just kind of them being like, oh, it could, maybe, right? But yeah, I, I there's, he there's got hit on the head and forgot his name, Jay Garrick, or Jay Garrick and Barry Allen switch bodies or some something yeah something like that that's, yeah uh, it's it's weird it, that that's that's hard to get over but that's cool that's fun yeah i i've always thought that was fun yeah i'd man oh to see a return to the smallville universe which was a which I, well, you and i really loved uh would be a lot of fun yeah and i mean honestly i think it it's owed it because there's no way cw would have even given arrow a chance without the success of smallville no i agree yeah i think uh i think that's absolutely true uh, which we touched on a little bit with uh, with Mark Guggenheim when we interviewed him. 
We did, we did. And I'd really like to see that kind of come full circle in some way and see Tom Willing show up. The fact that Tom Willing made the statement that he's talked to them about it and that that possibility exists is very encouraging to me. The and fact he, that he's open to it and he's put it out there. He finally came back to television with Lucifer? He did, yeah. That's part of why he was talking about this. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be great to see him do that. Yeah, I'm totally on board for that. I am as well. Well, I got nothing else. I'm sure I'll think of something as soon as we click end, but what do you got? <laughs> uh... That that was my big one. I kind of wanted to talk to you about because we've never really had the opportunity to take the time. I wanted to talk about, you know, what what would you like to see if they did that? If they did that crisis kind of thing, would you want to see Smallville come back? Because I I know I would. Um, that's something I'd really like. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I feel the same way. Yeah. Um, there's obviously tons more things because this is such a uh, a random topic for us. This we is, we like literally said, threw this together our, last it's minute. Our, it's our filler episode where we talk about things that we don't feel like we get to talk about a lot there are some things where i know we're going to talk about them in bigger chunks in the future um i can't come up with anything else particular at the moment um but you know i think what i would say is uh to our audience you know if you ever want to hear us kind of do this and shoot the crap over something give us a, a holler of something you'd like to hear us talk about we'll set it up we'll make an actual episode out of it we got a i mean we got a uh um we were asked how we felt about hydra cap and, we and that led to our secret empire episode yeah we dedicated an episode so please anyone you have a topic <laughs> that we that you want to hear us discuss we will discuss it we will we will put it on the schedule we will find time yeah so uh please do please write in uh okay well that'll do it i guess yeah, I think we're good for this week All right. without our boys. So let's do the end of the show. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci for doing our theme music. Uh, we, I got to see him this week, this weekend, and uh, I haven't seen him in forever, and I, I, love, I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, JV Jabberwock. Uh, I realize I've never spelled that, so it's J-V-J-A-B-B-E-R-W-O-C-K. It's a Alice Wonderland thing. Don't worry about it. Um... He does a show called Suburban Proctologist. Uh, you can check that one out on iTunes, but don't take our word for it. Take his. Take it away, Jeremy. If you are a human being between the ages of 2 and 99, congratulations! You are among one of the few species in the universe to function with conscious thought. That's a big responsibility. There's a lot of incredible things you can do with consciousness. You could read. You could fall in love. You could kill a man! But the best thing about being a conscious being is having the chance to experience wonderful adventures. And if you're interested in going on such an adventure without leaving the comfort of your own home, I invite you to find the Suburban Proctologist podcast on iTunes under comedy, or to go to www.suburbanproctologist.libsyn.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Now, just a minute! You can't have a promo for Suburban Proctologist without mentioning me, the main character! What? I thought I was the main character. Isn't the audience following my narrative in the first episode? It's a fish out of water story. Well, you're a stupid fish. It's my name in the title. I always like to fancy myself as the main character, actually. Excuse me, this is a private building. Who let you in? Was it Carol? It was Carol, wasn't it? Yes, it was Carol. She's lovely. Yes, we vaporized her! Is this the thingy where you do the voiceovers? It's called a microphone. I'm sorry, did you say vaporize? Move over! Uh, people of Earth! I have commandeered your airwaves. Remember this voice. It belongs to your future ruler, Proctologist Nefarious. But you can just call me Brocco. 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 Brocco.
Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, always great to hear from you every week, doing the same thing over and over again. It's not a pre-recorded ad. Not at all. No, he just sits in the room waiting to do the same thing. Waiting. Exactly the same way. He's just <laughs> running over it in his head over and over. That's how we roll. Water, that's how That's how fake nerd podcast rolls. Yeah. Uh, thank you also to Louis Barreto, a man I have not seen in quite some time, and I hope to change that quite soon. You can find he does our logo and icon, and uh, hopefully more things for us in the near future. But you can find him at Lens for Eyes on Instagram. He does any zine, which is, <clears throat> I guess, the official zine of us. Uh, but they meet every third Wednesday of the month, uh, room five oh seven from six to ten at the Cal State Northridge Art Department. Uh, if you are in the Greater Los Angeles area, go check them out. But if you're not, you can find them on Instagram. Anyzine underscore CSUN, that's E-N-I-Z-I-N-E underscore C-S-U-N. Facebook, anyzine at CSUN. Email anyzine.csun at gmail.com. It's a postulate. Wait. Parallelogram. Parallel. Palindrome. <laughs> Drink every time we make that joke. Uh, if you'd like to get involved, give us a show to, that you want us to do. Um, we're always looking for new ideas. We got tons of them, but we'd like to hear from you guys. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook fake nerd podcast all of them fake nerd guys at gmail.com if you want to get in touch personally you can find me bt mcclure one nope i changed that years ago bt mcclure months ago bt mcclure on instagram and twitter you can find sparks sparks witty on instagram and twitter s-p-a-r-k-z witty subscribe to us on itunes stitcher and google play tune and write and review wherever you get us uh we greatly appreciate it and uh i'm and i know that all of our hearts go out to Ryan at this time. Uh, we yes. love him. Uh, we do. And, uh, we love hope, him deeply. We hope that he's doing really well. Uh, ben, I hope you enjoyed your game. But that's all I got for you. <laughs> 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 Until next week, guys. Stay fake, nerds. <laughs>